Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. In my imagination. Now, welcome to Eat Sleep Rum Repeat, episode number 80. Uh, Just a little bit of a race recap to start this week before we get into the interview with our guest, Matt Archer. Uh, Last week, we actually recorded early because that was the only time that we could record with Wayne. So on the Sunday, we missed recapping the Lake Manchester trail race uh, that was on the Sunday morning uh, run by the Track Trail Running Association of Queensland, another great event with some uh, top running there. I'll just quickly whiz through the podium winners on the day, and then I'll play the interviews that I got from the day. So in the 23K event, the women's winner was Bernice Horberger. Second place was Michelle Barnes, and third place was Caroline Knight. In the men's, first place was Anthony Gordon. Second place was Peter Hoskin, and third place was Adam Taylor. And I think it's worth noting that Anthony possibly broke the course record. I still think it's being verified, but yeah, it was an incredible time. Um, I think he might have been just sub four minute Ks on that course, and the amount of climbing that that race has that that's a phenomenal run. So well done, Anthony. Um, in the ten k event, the women's was won by Crystal Futter. In second place was Sarah Richardson. And in third place was Ruby Richardson. In the 10K men's, it was won by myself, Steve Woolley. Second place was Daniel Keenan. And third place was Ben Patrick. The 5K event women's was won by Violet Richardson. Second place was Toya Lowe. Third place was Alexis Newey. And in the men's, it was won by Oscar Black. Second place was Flynn Baker. And third place was Garth Nolan. And uh, so here's the interviews that I got with the 23K men's and females winners. All right, I'm here with Anthony Gordon, the, the winner of the men's 23K at Lake Manchester. Congratulations, mate. Ah, thanks a lot. How, how was it? Uh, it, was, it was good. It was a great course. Um, wasn't sure how I'd pull up after last one standing last week. So oh, not... you, you did the last yeah, one? Yeah, did 100K shit. there and then... Thought I'd give this crack, so yeah, it went well, felt good. And you you run just over 145 today, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so that's absolutely motoring. What's your splits to do that? Um, I tried to stick around as close to four minute k's as possible, pretty much. Like it's pretty hard at the front. I don't have anyone to. And what's the elevation on that? I I don't think about 800. I think it was. Yeah, it, like just for the listeners, like I've just done the 10k which is runs part of that course and it is up and down like a roller coaster and the downhills are just as equally as bad as the uphills eh? like that is absolutely flying would that be like a course record here do you reckon i don't know they're checking yeah um, super but, fast. but i do know some people that have run this course before and i'm pretty sure they would have tipped that today. oh okay oh, <laughs> well, what do you got coming up in the future um is it mostly a, yeah, mostly I, trails that you run or any yeah i got a five 5k victoria park run which tracks are doing next weekend oh, i've heard of that the yeah trail runners yep. versus the road runners so i'm part of that um and then 
coastal high 50 um, the week after and then I've got a bit of a break until I go up and do Trail to Triumph with the guys at Morumba. Oh, awesome. So that uh, event that's at Victoria Park, that's on the golf course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what, do, what do you know about that? Like, what do you know about the course? Because I've uh, heard it's really. I've been out on it. It's pretty fun. I think if I ever did cross country, still, it'd work in my favour. But I don't really do cross country. I haven't since school. Um, but yeah, it's mostly grass, couple of footpaths, and just rolling hills, I guess. So no, it's no spikes. You'd be wearing trail shoes. No, you know, the consensus in our group. Um, is no spikes, um, probably like race trail shoes, I guess. Um, I think a few people are going out in the vapor flies and stuff like that. Okay. But um, well, I'll, just, slippery. I'll just go out in the bad boys of the war today. What, so what is your go-to um, racing um, trail go, shoe? Go-to is Topo. Um, so Mountain Racing 3 is today, or the Mountain Racing 2 is also another one that I go to. Um, but I find... Um, I've got a good relationship with the guys and Gingy and Topo, so um, yeah. They look after you. They look after me. Yeah, man. Well, they look really light. Are they light? Those... Uh, yeah, they're pretty super light. But, um, but, but a lot of grip on them. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty luggy, so anything, if there's anything with like too hard a surface, they get a bit painful. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but the nice soft stuff out here is pretty good. Yeah, because it is quite slippery on those um, really steep hills, sort of like powdery, hey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Oh man, well thanks for having a chat to me and um, congratulations for winning. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, that's fine. Hang on, I'm going to definitely get this wrong. Okay, so I'm here with the women's winner of the 23K at Lake Manchester, Baroness Heiberger. How do I go? Get that close? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So, um, you've won today. Have you done this race ever before? Uh, no, first time. It's, um, oh, it's a tough course, hey, very hilly. Very steep, so here's a very steep. Yeah, it's very hilly. Um, was it everything you expected? Like, did you know it was going to be hilly? Um, I knew it was going to be hilly. The hills felt much steeper on the way back than on the way out. Yeah, same for me, actually. <laughs> I, only, I only did the 10k, but yeah, it felt worse coming back, but yeah. Hard on the downhills, I thought, like it was just... Um, yeah, a bit uh, loose, so yeah. Yeah, but... yeah. So is this, do you often do the trail races or do you Not do Not very any? much. I'm a triathlete and I'm trying to get my running stronger. So I'm trying to do a bit more trail running. Um, but I live in, down in Melbourne and oh. I'm just here in Queensland for three weeks. Oh, and so wow. I was just doing a little race for here. I was just going to say, if you what, what local triathlon um, club do you run with or train um, with? Well, but... I used to live in, in Brisbane. So I was part of the triads, the UQ triathlon club. Um, but I moved to Melbourne 10 months ago. Cold down in Melbourne this time of year. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I'm from Europe, so I love it. Oh, you it. like the cold? Oh, man, I got here this morning and my hands were so numb. I was like, man, I can't wait for it to warm up. But I guess it's easier to run in the cool and yeah, probably is. much the same for cycling and running. Yeah. I don't know about the swimming. That, that'd that be pretty bad, wouldn't it? Um, I mean, my pool is indoors, so yeah. Oh, <laughs> I swim indoors. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. So you're probably heading back to Melbourne soon. I'm but, heading back tomorrow. Uh, what's on the horizon for you? Um, I'm doing a couple of other, I'm winning a couple of other trail running and gravel riding races um, over spring. Yeah. And then I will probably build to Ironman Busselton in December. Okay, cool. No marathons or anything like that on the horizon? Uh, well, trail marathon. Trail I'm marathon. I'm doing a 50k in October. 
trap. 50k I prefer endurance events. I'm, I'm, not usually, I'm not very used to like a 20k sort of event. I usually Too do short for distance. you. Yeah, oh, I don't have time to warm up. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, oh, well, congratulations and uh, thanks for having a chat. To Thank me. you. Awesome. Welcome to episode 80 of Eat, Sleep, Run, Repeat, the running podcast for the average runner. You're here with myself, Wooly, Mr. Nathan Barden. You know? And uh, special guest, local legend, Mr. Matt Archer. How are you, Matt? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the podcast. No, it's great. We've um, chatted heaps on a, on the old long run and you've you've been around the scene for a, a long time. Most of the local running community know you really well, so it's only right that we've got to get you on and can tell us a few stories. Should be fun. I'm uh, after the guests that you've had on on the last few weeks. It's, it's a bit of a tough act to follow, but I'll, hopefully uh, I can deliver the goods and see how we go. <laughs> You'll be good, mate. Um, I guess we should just get straight into the interview. You haven't done anything special this week, Nath, running related. No, I've hit, uh, I think, 54K for the week. I said I wanted to hit 50. So, uh, no, nah, nothing really. Just um, uh, did that little 400-metre session on my little grass track at home. And uh, it's more of a figure of eight than a... Uh, actually, if you looked at it from the sky, it looked like a big capital B. Where <laughs> it is, um, and then some 200s out on the road. Um, just up and down. Yeah. So... Uh, and then you think, look at your pace, and I'm looking down at my watch on the 400s trying to go under four minutes a K, and then you watch the marathon um, from the this morning in Budapest at the Worlds, and they're doing, you know, like three-minute Ks. Three minute you know, Ks yeah, I can't yeah. even do that for 1K. They do it for 42. No, um, it's shocking, eh? Like, I try and do, the, like, say, three-minute Ks on some of the, like, reps, the interval sessions, and you just think, how do they maintain this for 42K? No, they're, 20, they're 23 and they were born, you know, at altitude. So, there was actually, a, lot more there was actually a Norwegian in the uh, lead pack until about 30 odd K, I think. Israeli guy was um, second in the end in the men's. Um, Japanese guy was doing pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. bloody good race. Looked like pretty brutal conditions. I reckon they should have started that at 6 a.m., even if it was dark, not 7 a.m., but maybe because of the dark when you've got cameras and everything, you can't. It's a bit hard to. Bad TV. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It was, it was, a, stunning, it was a stunning city they were running in, wasn't it? Yeah. It's lovely, yeah. yeah. Real old city, Budapest. It's landlocked country, isn't it? Um, yeah. Beautiful, uh, yeah. Um, very old architecture. There's a lot of Europe's like that. You know, the buildings don't go above a certain height, and they're all like pretty standard, like. Um, uh, Lyon down in France is similar to that. And a lot of France is only building up to a certain height. Paris, for instance, is pretty much um, similar to that as well. There was a there was a tree line section there that sort of looked a little bit like uh, the, the course I used in uh, Vienna when they did the, uh, yeah. Yeah. the Ineos project. And I thought, wow, that looks just like it. It's absolutely stunning. Funny, um, whilst we're on that sort of pacing topic, we paced uh, Kim Dingwell this morning to I think he did 39.25 or something for 10K down at Sandgate. Um, shout out, Kim. That gives you the uh, title of local legend for the week. That was a big effort. First time he's ever broke 40 minutes. And I was telling uh, Matt before we started recording that we, we must have had about 15 people 
start. Like we broke up a little bit as it got sort of into it, but we must've had about 15 people in the, we had the full, like, you know, formation around him, you know, like they did for Kipchoge. It was pretty oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> run run into the wind and then we turned around at 5k and you know let him get the wind behind him and oh, it was really good man it was real good vibe yeah. how's your week been steve um did we mention the win last week no because we recorded with um wayne on the saturday night cause that's he was, right he was on the mine site and that was the only time he could do it but yeah i've run on sunday at uh, lake manchester and won the 10k trail event which was Bit of redemption for last year. I got lost and I was winning. Just, was yeah. winning the uh, twenty three k, and then decided to keep going up to the top of Mount Nebo. <laughs> so my plan was this year to just not whatever the pace was in front, stay in a position where I was following someone, and I did that, and then hit five k, turned around and just gassed it all the way home, and yeah, nice to win. One of not um just like won a couple of prizes. Got a uh, like a prize pack from I think it's called Run Vault, which is like a running shop in the city, and they've got a pretty cool website selling loads of gear. Oh. That that was nice. It's always nice to get a win. But I'll, yeah. what I'll do is I'll I'll I've got interviews with the um the men's and the females winner. Yeah, so I'll play them. Uh, I might put them on at the start of the show and do a bit of a, uh, a recap of that event, and then we'll roll yeah. into this. But yeah, yeah. that was um. That was cool. There's actually another event that they were promoting on the day that just, uh, it was a fun, it's a charity event for um, asbestosis, some asbestosis charity. Right. And uh, it's like 280 Ks. Oh, yeah. Like a, if they camp, they run and then camp, like do it over a few days. Sounds, yeah. um, sounds pretty cool. But man, the, the guy that won the men's race, the, the 23 K, he averaged um, four minute Ks over oh. that. Like, man, that is absolutely That's brutal motoring over that course. It's a pretty hitty course. Like, as soon like I was copying the two, there was two guys in front of me in my race. And as soon as we hit the hills, they power walked. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to power walk too. You know, like he's sort of trying to run up these hills, he's wasting so much energy. You can we walk just, as fast as you can. Yeah, run. We were just like marching, and then as soon as we got to sort of where it leveled out a bit, started running again, and I definitely felt like I went better just by doing that. Whereas usually I'd just try and keep jogging up them. But yeah, whilst we got you here, Matt, what what have you been up to? Have you done any, anything recently? Of I I ran Sunny Coast Marathon two weeks ago, and then basically since then I've just been running with absolutely no purpose, just ticking over the case basically. So. I, I probably got I probably got carried away in the volume that I've been doing, and I've basically just kept the the speed sessions going. Uh, but other than that, no, nothing exciting at the moment. It's not not really anything like major that on the calendar that you can sort of prep for now with it now it's starting to warm up again. Hey, um, not unless you really travel. Like obviously, I've, I've heard Nathan talk about that uh, that beach run, that marathon in early October. I've thought about that, but I think I'm working that weekend, so. Because when I heard it, I thought I just want to do some different things for the rest of the year rather than road marathons, and and that sort of that was appealing. So unfortunately, yeah, I think I'm working, so I can't do that. I am thinking of possibly doing Biwa at daytime at in December for something different, but just go there, not with a time in mind. Just go there literally just to have a bit of fun, and obviously because it's hot as well, and and obviously being on trails, it's you know 
it's a little bit more difficult anyway. So, yeah, that's cool. Eh? It's good to when, like, especially with them trail races, you don't have to be thinking about what time you're running right. in that either. So you can kind of enjoy the event a bit more. Hey, but I'm, I think I don't know if I announced it that I'm doing the uh, Sydney Marathon. Oh wow! In, in three weeks, yeah. So we're going down. We're going down for that. So that probably be the last marathon of the year melbourne's sold out and they don't do transfers which are, which is really weird they won't allow you to transfer it to somebody else you can ask for a refund a bit it'll cost you 40 dollars in admin fees to get the refund um and then once people have you know put their race entry back in there you, there's a wait list so then you can go and pay full price again um for an entry so not so uh, it's it's interesting you're saying you're doing Sydney because like uh, at Budapest today, Tamarat Tola was running and he's the the draw card for Sydney in three weeks' time. So when I saw him on the start line, I thought that's a bit odd. Why would you be doing three uh, two marathons in three weeks like that? Especially at that level, that's sort of very unusual. Yeah, maybe the money's good, the prize money, the appearance money. Well, yeah. maybe the intention wasn't to to compete and and, and finish it, and, and he obviously didn't finish it anyway. But, uh, but yeah. He wasn't in contention towards the end anyway. So, yeah, unless he's just treating it as the final long run, who knows? It's interesting because we were chatting, weren't we, uh, uh, Steve, um, via messenger, that um, it's a shame like even Liam Adams didn't get go, to go to the world because like, I saw Ethiopia in the women's. They had like four women in the um, – whether they had a pacemaker there or whatever, I, I know one of them did drop out. Um, you, well, I saw her actually pull off the course. Um but yeah, like some countries have got four runners there. Then we had like none. We had, the men's. We had the men's, we had none in the end, and uh, the women's what one? Is it Lisa? Lisa Waitman, I think. Um, Izzy was it Izzy Pat Doyle? Yeah, Izzy was there. Yeah, we we did have one, but he uh, that was Patrick Tienan, but he, yeah. he uh, was out injured. So yeah, yeah, it's a shame, eh? Like, it just seems like why don't they just send a couple more? Yeah, but, um, we've been yeah. talking about a lot about like, the Olympics. I don't know what your view is, Matt. Like the Olympics now is like that. Um, I just think there's too many events in it. You know, like do, do you need football in the Olympics? Do you need you know because you But you take a foot football team. It's eleven players, right? Plus the subs, plus all the coaching stuff and everything else. Like that takes up a lot of people where you could maybe and a lot of money. Uh, and then every other country's got that. And then you think about like the horse, the horse events, you've got to ship all those horses everywhere. It's not bad for the horses. Um, yeah. Some of them do die in transit. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, you've got, I can not surfing now. Um, there's like golf, golf is golf there. in it. Oh, God. Like, golf, no, like, the, the last, last one, possibly the last two. Is it yeah. tennis? Do we really need tennis? They play so many, they have so yeah. many games. Do you need the tennis? It's like, and then I suppose there's men's and women's football. It's, I think it's just got, I mean, and that's why people don't want to do the, no one wants to bid for the Olympics anymore. And you're going to get to a yeah. point of where no one's going to want to do it. And you're going to have to sort of, I think maybe they just cut back to what was originally cycling, uh, swimming, track and field. Rowing, yeah. wrestling and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and just some of the, and boxing, you know, some of the, yeah. the, the basic stuff that it, it was say 30 years ago. And, um, you know, there's, um, there's um, all these other sports have world championships and everything else. Like, let them, let them go for that. I think otherwise. Well, I, I guess sports like everything else, but in the sense that uh, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but in, 
like nothing ever stays the same like how the world was 30 years ago like you think how boxing how big like i know you guys are big into into the boxing how big boxing was 30 years ago nowadays the focus seems to be more on mma and yeah. and that's what the people want so and obviously the olympics is like everything else they're a product they want mm. people watching their product so they're going to have, have to have things like tennis people will watch tennis and people will watch golf and people watch bmx racing and that sort of stuff and like i'm, I'm a traditionalist i'm, I'm, I'm like you I'd, I'd rather see how it was to how it is but i guess that's just how things are you know as far as the, the evolution process goes i guess yeah. yeah, I just think we look at the costs involved with it, having to build all these facilities, and then countries are like, "Oh, can we afford to send all these people?" And then companies don't, countries don't want to bid for it anymore because they're like, "Well, we can't afford to put people up and put it on." So yeah. Yeah, it's like Commonwealth Games, you know, it's like it's uh, that's looks like that slowly dying. Um, yeah, so yeah, we just don't want you wouldn't want that to happen to the. I'm sure it would always, someone would always go, oh, we'd do the Olympics, you know, whatever, but it's, um, might have to go back to countries that have already done it not too long ago. So they've already got those facilities available. Um, they don't have to build, you know, new infrastructure for it, but definitely a good topic of conversation anyway. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Back to running. Let's talk about your, uh, your running career, Matt. You've been, how long do you reckon you've been running for? Uh, I'm like most people. I ran when I was a kid. I did uh, cross country in school. I was always in the top two or three. Uh, and then, you know, you leave school, didn't compete basically. I just, uh, I, I competed until I was about 20, 21. I think I ran my first half marathon when I was 21. And then after that, just life got in the way, you know. I, uh, I was with my partner. We got married. We had kids. And I basically did nothing between 25 and 35. And I got back into running when I was about 35 years of age. And, and funnily enough, I didn't get back into running to, to run again. I, I got back in because I was playing tennis and it was just to supplement my fit, uh, fitness for tennis. And uh, and it just progressed from there, basically. Getting fit for tennis and then you got back into it. Good yeah, stuff. Mate, a mate of mine suggested, he says, oh, he knew that I started running. He says, oh, why don't you come and do a 5K? And then the 5K became a half and a half became a marathon and and then an ultra marathon and then just progress from there. And, and I just loved it. You know, it was just such a great thing to do because it was, you were constantly challenging yourself. And, and, and I liked that. I, I got the bug and I, I got the bug early and I just really loved it. Do you have a preferred uh, distance? Uh, nowadays, probably the marathon. It's, it's the thing sort of, it's, it's the thing you, you can push to your limit and anything once you start going past that, unless you sort of pace yourself wisely, the marathons literally, you know, you, you can hurt yourself enough to not hurt yourself too much, if you know what I mean. So you got your legends singlet up in the background there. That's that's the only display that I have for my medals. Otherwise, they're all sitting in a box in the corner on the floor. <laughs> you should hang I, them up. The only reason I did that was because I saw, because that was back in 2017, I saw something on instagram or facebook and i thought that's a good idea so and it sort of said so i forget it's there half the time to be quite honest that's cool do you want to explain to um the listeners especially the overseas guys like to get a legend singlet at the gold coast marathon yeah do you want to explain the uh what you got to do to get that basically i don't think it matters what event you do whether it's the 10 the half or or the marathon you just have to do 10 years, 20 years, 
or 30 years of that one event. They don't have to be consecutive. They can be whatever, but you just have to do 10 years. So I'm currently sitting at 13 uh, Gold Coast marathons. My 10 were consecutive. Then I missed a year through injury. And actually I did 11. Then I missed a year through injury. And uh, and then obviously COVID came along and sort of railroaded, railroaded it for everybody. So yeah, That was so bad that year. Hey, like two days out or something, they cancelled it. <laughs> I was in good form too. I was so looking forward to it, but it is what it is. Yeah, it happened to everyone, eh? Yeah. What's your best time at the Gold Coast that you've run? Uh, I ran 2.59 flat in 2017. So is that your gone, best time? I've gone sub twice, a sub three twice on the Gold Coast, and I've gone sub three once here in Brisbane. But uh, That's good for a hilly course. Oh, like I was going to say, shit, that's quick on that course. I did it for the first time this year, and um, what did I get? 328, and I thought, oh, it's brutal, isn't it? That last hill, coming up the hill to come then down, and you come along the, by the river, and then you go that last hill to dip down and come in towards the finish. You know, you're like a K or two from the finish. <laughs> you're like, oh. They've made a slight adjustment on the course this year. I think, Like, I've done Brisbane eight times, and it's been different every year. Okay. And... Because back the, the first time I did Brisbane and the first few times I did Brisbane, yeah, you predominantly ran in South Brisbane and West End and also Milton. But uh, the, the last couple of years, I think they're sort of almost getting the course right now, mm. except last year's course was slightly harder. You know, we, when you go up that hill, when you're sort of sitting at the top of the cliffs above the, the Fallon's Brewery there? Yeah. 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 Well, last year you went down the hill, then you ran up towards Ivory Street to where the fire station was. So you've got that little hill that runs up towards the Story Bridge. So it's got that nice, sharp little uh, edge to it. Yeah. And, uh, and I found it amazing that they actually had a drink station going up the hill because I thought there's no chance you want to be drinking while you're running up a hill like that because it was just too – like your heart rate's just going through the roof. Yeah. So you don't want to be drinking then. But fortunately, that wasn't part of it this year. Having yeah. said that, even even when we came off that section of road to go up that hill, I still was not looking forward to it. Yeah. It's because I'd never done it before, so I wasn't there to expect, but you don't hit the first lap and then you go, oh my God, where's that hill coming? But I tell you what, it was quite, I thought it was a bit, a bit dangerous is towards the end, you know, you do it twice, but at, at the end, well, the, well, the um, like eating places are and coffee shops right by the river down, yeah. down low where you come up by Ivory Street, and there's a few of those yellow metal bollards square in the middle of the, and I nearly, well, I nearly collected one, then I had to actually move someone as they were going to run into it. Like, because they just, because, you know, when you're running around people and there was like half marathon on the first lap, there was half marathon people obviously in the way. I was trying, you know, like you were overtaking people. And I think then we ended up with some 10 Ks. Um, you you were sort of back markers you were lacking, and I was uh, um lapping, sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought, oh, it was um, well, they should have maybe had had some, maybe a bollard or someone, you know, like they're having the Tour de France waving yeah. a flag in the way because it would have been easy to to um collect. I'm sure somebody would have run into one. We got uh, that that morning was quite warm too, like the humidity was, humid. yeah, 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 it was. Which, which was annoying because I turned up at the start line in a pair of pajamas. <laughs> I've, I've taken this year to. I just... had sleeves and a hat on. I had to take them off literally within a K. I was up. Just, I've, been, I've been going to all of my start lines this year in pajamas. 
because it's been cold. <laughs> I thought, you know, like, because you're like, what can I throw away? Well, you know, a pair of pajamas are pretty cheap. I'll, I'll wear them to the start line. I wore a pair to the start of uh, the sunny coast as well. <laughs> Keep them warm. Keep you warm. So, so Matt, that uh, that um, Brisbane marathon, the best time you run two fifty six twelve. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. So Jeez. that's a you'd have to if you sort of thinking to convert that to like Gold Coast, it's much quicker. Do you just have an absolute blinder that day? I it was interesting. I just had this real purple patch from probably started in February that year, where. It, th- things you know you know when things are going well and, and they click and there's a hill not far from my place that i was literally running it's, it's basically a, a kilometer long this hill so it's and, and and the grade of it would be similar to what the story bridge was and i was just doing a loop of, of this hill so it's a 3k loop but it included that hill and i just ran it you know uh four or five times a week and sometimes i just do the 3ks up to 20 25 k's just doing the loop and I just, I think I just built strength out of that. So when I got to Brisbane, I just felt super confident. Like, I, I mean, a couple of weeks before Brisbane, I ran a half and I ran a half PB at, at, uh, at Brisbane Roadrunners. And so I, I knew that when I was going to go to Brisbane that day, that I was going to have a good day. And I mean, fortunately for me, it, it turned out to be an exceptional day. And, uh, and, and I, I guess the other thing too is, you know, living in Brisbane, you know, the course, like the course eight year was different. We started in South Brisbane. And we went from South Brisbane up Bolter Street, then up over the Story Bridge, dropped down into Ivory Street, back up over the Story Bridge and came back down. So I knew the first 10Ks, negotiate the first 10Ks. And then from there, it was predominantly flat, except for going over the, the Goodwill Bridge and over the uh, uh, the go-between bridge. And the, the, other than those hills on those bridges, the course was predominantly flat. We even had Riverside Drive at West End. So, And I've you know run on that thousands of times having you know competed at Brisbane Roadrunners for the last 10, 15 years anyway. So so I just knew the course. So it, it was just local knowledge that really got me through a lot that day. Someone was saying to me that if um the only way that they would be able to get it uh less hilly and have better roads would to obviously get the road closures would be if it was a bit more high profile race. If you had more numbers in it then they'd be able to be able to push to go like we want a better course with less hills in, but then Brisbane's quite hilly anyway. So it would be hard to sort of knock that down to say even 200 meters of elevation, uh, just because of, uh, you know, you have to significantly change the, um, the route to get it to that. I reckon. They'd almost have to make it point to point to, to, to do something like that. So, but like you're saying, like, it's a, then it's a choice of where do they start it or where do they finish it. Like if, if you wanted it to be in Brisbane, for instance, like if you did something like Boston where the marathon finishes is in Brisbane, then you're going to negotiate hills at the back end of the course, which would not be fun when you're tired. We all know that. So so you've paced um, at an event called Coast to Cozzy. It's an ultra marathon. Um, you're pacing Keith Sullivan. Is that correct? That is correct. Tell us about that event. Coast to Cozzy is an event that you have to qualify. And there's generally, you, you normally have to do, I think back in those days, that was back in 2012. And back in those days, I think you had to do like a 24 hour event and a 100 miler. I think that was the qualifications for it. And they only take take 50 people in the race. So the, 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 the event's held 
in the first weekend of December every year. And uh, Keith qualified, he qualified a couple of times, but in 2012, but he hadn't completed it. So in 2012, he asked me if I wanted to help pace him. And I went, yeah, I can do that. Sounds like fun. Like, and and at, at that point, I was like, I was interested in getting, like, I'd done a couple of 50K ultras only. So I was interested in doing something more. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I paced Keith with, with another fellow from Canberra in that. And uh, so it starts in a town in southern New South Wales called Eden. And we run up to the up to Mount Kosciuszko basically, basically. So it was a 240 kilometre event. So I think Keith did it in one go, just one, one go. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Keith did it in about 38 or 39 hours, but I'm pretty sure the record for it is 25, maybe 25, 25 and a half hours. Yes. So actually there's a, a local guy here in Brisbane that you probably know of Kevin Muller. Kevin Muller, yeah. he, he rolls around all the park runs here in Brisbane. He's, he's in the army, so he's based most of the time at Anogra. But Kevin's actually won Coast of Cozzi. And there's another guy on the Sunshine Coast called uh, John Pearson. Who, I've heard of him, yeah. Well, John actually ran the, actually ran the marathon two weeks ago. But John, John's also won the, the event. So they're, they're both very notable um, ultramarathon runners here in Australia. And how far did you run in that event? Uh, that was the first time that I actually went over 100 k. So I think I ran. I didn't use a, a Garmin, but and and like with the paces, you're not allowed to jump on the course until a certain point in the day, except for one little section because it was a hill, which was like a long, long climb. So the paces was allowed. They were allowed to jump out of the vehicle and and join the runner. So I, I got out and I think I spent about an hour or an hour and a half with Keith in the middle of the day, and then I literally ran with him through the night. I think it was about eight o'clock at night. That you could jump on the course with him and i from from about basically eight o'clock onwards until he finished i was with him so i think i went probably 100 to 120 kilometers right good long run i tell you it does make a difference having someone with, run with you at night you just just uh that camaraderie and that just it just uh yeah helps your motivation oh, well, and the conversations you have like you, you can talk about normal things and then you can talk about some odd things and you can solve world problems and and uh when you do something like that your emotions become very raw so you know you, you, you sort of put it all out there on the table so it, it's it's bloody good therapy i have to do an event like that but i'd prefer to just be a pacer <laughs> or drive the car but it'd be cool to like be in a like we used to do a, an event years ago when i was a kid called the kabulcha to Mulaney relay i don't know yep. if you ever, you ever did that no no i haven't oh that but that was unreal we used to like have a mini bus and so when one person was running you know you're driving past them in the mini bus yeah you, know, you know hurling abuse at them and cheering them on <laughs> and then you pull over and the next person gets ready starts warming up and then you tag and then everyone jumps in the van again and oh, it was such great um great atmosphere we, we actually won it once the under 18s uh, it was me peter noel and grant rogerson and a couple of the other guys that we were running with but we actually i think there must have been like eight of us in our team and and because we won the under 18s we we won a trip to sydney to do the city to surf that was the prize for like the winning that event so we yep. all went down to sydney and run the city to surf it's bloody awesome how far is that what's the distance on that relay 
oh shit, I don't know. It goes from Caboolture and it finishes in like the main street of Mullaney. So I don't know, like maybe Fair it'd, way. It'd be about sixty odd K, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, quite a long way. 60. Yeah. And a big hill. So big hill. fun, yeah. you know. You really look forward to it because it was just such a good laugh. That's a monster hill, though, depending on which way you... If you go up the back way to Mullaney, that's where it gets really steep, like 20-odd percent, I think. And then uh, if you go the the other way, it's still from Lansborough, it's still a hill and a half, isn't it? Jeez. Yeah, there was, some, there was some real bad hilly sections in that. But, yeah, they don't do that anymore. It's a shame. It's just too dangerous, I guess, now. Yeah. yeah. Roads are too sketchy. So so when you talk about Caboolture, because I've heard you guys talk about it a few times, uh, dust to dawn. That, yeah. used to, that used to be held in Caboolture. The, uh, yeah, the showgrounds, which yeah. would have been a lot easier because it's closer. But didn't it only used to be a 500-meter track, though? So yeah. you, you definitely feel like a hamster I've, in a wheel there. Well, I've, I've done that event a few times as well, and, yeah, you do. But in some ways, it's good doing those sorts of events because, you know, you if you feel like walking a couple of laps, you can. And the fact that your food and your and your hydration and, and your crew... Yeah. You know, but but obviously when things are that convenient, it's also convenient just to step off the track as well. So it, it, it does take some discipline. We're all going up for a big, uh, we're going to take a big crew of us uh, next February, aren't we? Yeah. Um, is the plan. You should come with us, Matt. And, and what event are you going to have a crack at? Oh, I did 50, I did the 50K this year and Steve did the 15. My partner did the 15, so I'll probably just do the 50 again. Yep. Yeah. Sounds good. I'd be interested in that. Yeah. yeah. So, what overseas marathons have you done? I've only done one. So, I've, I've only done Boston. I'm not like I, I know Wayne was talking about uh, last week when you had Wayne on the on the podcast. He was talking about the fact that he's done the big six. But yeah. I'm a traditionalist. I love things like Wimbledon or the US Masters or or Boston. And to me, like Boston's qualifying for Wimbledon, and and uh, and because it's steeped in so much history, so. If I if I had the opportunity opportunity and, and if I could afford it, I'd go to Boston every year because it's just such a joy. You know, there's somewhere between and, and I know that the other big city marathons are the same. There's somewhere between five hundred thousand and a million people that line the streets for it, but it's just such a great atmosphere. So I've only done Boston. And there's a pretty cool story to go yeah, with so, that. I eh? like yeah. tell us tell us what happened there. Well, I can give you the short version or I can give you the long version because it, the story goes back. We're obviously going to talk about the shoes, but the yeah. story goes back to the fact that how long it took me to get to Boston. Oh, tell us the full whack. Well, so oh. I, 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 I have qualified for Boston every year, basically, for the last 10 or 15 years. And and uh, I I didn't put in a, a qualification or an entry for, for it every year, but but I have done it on a number of occasions. But for, for whatever reason, things have just come up that uh, that prevented me to get to Boston. And in 2019, I finally got the opportunity to go and book the airfares for for the family. So we made we took we, we made it into a family trip, and we got to the start line and all that sort of thing. But uh, one of the conversations I had before I went, I was with uh, Neil Wood, who you've had on your yeah. podcast yep. previously. I remember us because we we used to run regularly on the grass at Murray Reserve. Like we'd go down there every Monday and just do a recovery session for about an hour to an hour and a half. And you know, it was just you know, you talk talk crap, talk about whatever. And I remember him saying to me, 
prior to going, um, uh, you know, you're finally going to get to go there. And I said, I will not believe it until I'm standing on that starting line, you know, because yeah. there's been so many hiccups that prevented me getting there in the past. And, and the shoe story, which will lead into was just the final hiccup. And I, I guess it's probably sort of funny in its own little way that that sort of thing happened at the, at the final hurdle. But, um, and the, the other thing I remember from that conversation with Neil that day was that I said to him, I wanted to meet Meb who won Boston in 2014. So I'll get to that as well in, at the back end of the story. But on, on the day, the, when we finally got up to America, I spent a week in New York and, and cause I went up and I know Peter Lewis went up and I know Jay, uh, Carl, Carl Batty had also gone up and I hadn't met Carl until we got to New York, but Pete, Carl and I were training in central park for the week prior. You know, we, we did one tempo session and basically just had a week of just running, you know, we'd meet every morning. I don't think we met every morning, but we met, probably four mornings that week and just cruised around Central Park and, and, and chatted and talked about, you know, what our goals for the day, et cetera. On the morning of Boston, I jumped on the bus because Boston's a point to point race. So they, they take your 42 Ks out and you start in a town called Hopticon and, and then you run back into Boston. And I jumped on the bus with Pete, uh, Carl and also Jason Croston. That was the first time that I'd ever met Jason and leading the morning of Boston was very bad weather. There was like, we saw the forecast the days leading into it. And I'd seen on previous Facebook posts and whatnot, what people had done the previous year, like they either had plastic bags on their shoes or they carried their shoes and wore an old pair of trainers and threw them away. So I told the boys that, and they went out and bought some cheap trainers. And I had a pair of Pegasus 33s or 34s, which, Probably had about seven or eight hundred kilometers on them. I thought that's right. Just knackered. Yeah, yeah. So we got to the start line. I've got my what we're actually in the 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 area in the school, which is where they have everyone waiting before the race starts. While we're at the school, I had my shoes in a bag because they because of the security reasons that you're supplied with a bag with what stuff that you're going to carry. It's a clear bag so they can see in it, etc. Walking up to the start line, I was getting to the point where I started to peel the clothes off that I had on. I stopped and I handed my shoes to Jason. I said, can you hold these for a second? I've taken my jacket off, I've turned around and Jason's gone. And just what happened in the blink of an eye and I'm going, and like that, Pete had gone, Carl had gone, I'm thinking, where's everyone gone? Where's my shoes? And so there was- what, a, Sorry, what shoes were they? Oh, they were the vapor flies. So they, they were the first, you know, the, the fly net vapor flies. The yeah, blue yeah. Ones, the 4% blue ones. Or, or whatever. Yeah. Actually, I had them handy here too somewhere. But, but so yeah, they were gone. And so there was a moment of panic and I thought, well, what can I do? What can I do? I, there was a, a guy who was announcing on the microphone, calling up people to their corrals. I thought, I'll go up to that guy and I'll get him to make an announcement. So I got up to this guy. He made this announcement. He was so flippant about it. And I'm going, well, that's not going to help me, is it? So then I decided to head up towards the corrals and thought I could probably find Pete, Jason and Carl up there. Fortunately for me, so I, I ran, I got up there and I was just running up and back, which was probably a nice little warm-up to be quite honest. Yeah. It didn't favour. But in a but, panic, probably. Well, there was a little bit of a panic and then I, I had to make a decision at some point thinking, do I run this race in shoes that are just absolutely dead? Because at that time I, I had a, a groin problem and, and the lower back problem. 
So I wasn't keen on running in their shoes. And then I had to make a decision on going, what do I do? And then I just went, you know what? Just do the race, forget the shoes, don't let it wreck your day because this is something that I wanted to do for such a long time. It was not going to wreck my day. Fortunately for me, just as the national anthem was being played and you know the, the jets are flying overhead, Pete comes up out of nowhere with my shoes. So they're playing the national anthem. You know, I just had this wave of relief that happened. I'm putting my shoes on while they're singing the national anthem and it, it all worked out in the end. Tying your shoelaces up in a hurry. Oh my God. Yeah. That's the so, sort of thing what happened nightmares about. So Where did said, you... there was one final hiccup that, oh. before we got to the start line. And, and and it's funny, every time I see Jason now, we joke about it. So, you know, and, and, and Pete said to me at the time, because I, I passed Pete during the race because Pete started a couple of corrals ahead of me. And I was lucky to have a photo with Pete at, at the finish line to share something special like that with someone that you know and someone who's passionate about running was an absolute joy. And and uh, Pete just told me, he said, you know, Jason just felt sick in his guts. And I, it worked out. You know, fortunately, on the day, it all worked out. And it, it makes a bloody good story because people come up to me all the time and ask about it. So, <laughs> Matt, what happened then? Did they just think you were walking with them or or how did you get separated? Uh, I don't know. That's the part I don't know how. Like, I literally was just taking a jacket off. I literally turned around, taken my jacket off, and before I knew it, they were gone. It just happened in the blink of an eye. So, that you know, whether people, we were moving yeah. or who knows, it was just circumstantial, basically. Jesus, the nightmare. Man, thank God you got your shoes. <laughs> yes, it, it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. The other thing I talked about was Meb. I said to Neil before I went up that I, I want to meet Meb. It was one of my things because I was just such a big fan of Meb and, and his, just his personality and he's is an ambassador for the sport, basically. And when I ran that day, because as I said, I had this groin problem and my goal was to go there and run a sub three. But my friend Keith that I was talking about earlier who'd done Coast to Cozy, about six months prior to Boston, he actually passed away. So I decided to dedicate Boston to him. And, and I trained because I wanted to run sub three on Boston. I thought, you know, it's special. It means something to me. And I wanted to dedicate something like that to, to him. And uh, unfortunately, I, I basically injured myself in the process because I probably trained too hard. And like, I'm probably notorious for being an overtrainer, but I just love it. But, but uh, I, about 10K to go, my groin was just screaming at me. And because the last 10K is downhill, I made a decision to start, just put the anchors on and, and just cruise. I was like, I, if, I thought if I keep pushing, I'm not going to finish. So I thought I'll just put the anchors on. I'll cruise home. I still ran 3.02, so I still ran a great time. I was, and I was absolutely stoked with it. But when I got to the finish line, I literally stopped on the finish line and didn't move. And I was in a world of pain. I'm normally like a hyperactive child in a recovery area. I carry on. People probably think I'm a nuisance. They probably want to tell me to bugger off. But when I turned my head to my left, Meb was standing on the finish line. And he's just looked at me and he came across to me and started talking to me and saying, you know, are you okay, mate? And I had this five-minute conversation with a guy that I set out on meeting. And, and it was just such a joy. I think the thing that annoys me, that, well, not annoys me, but a missed opportunity, I wasn't smart enough to turn around and say, we should get a photo. So I, I don't actually have a photo from that, from that moment. And we're on the finish line. There's cameras everywhere. There you go. That's what a story though. That's so cool. 
Yeah. If you get an opportunity to do Boston, I mean, or any big city marathon, basically, but I mean, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm biased because Boston, as I said, I'm a traditionalist and it's got so much history. If, if you get an opportunity, grab it with both hands and do it. Don't think twice about it. Just go and do it. It's been long in running, uh, going a long time, hasn't it, Boston? Yeah, hundred and to eighteen ninety six, I think it started. It started the same year or the year after the the first Olympics. So it's been it, longest running Olymp uh, longest running marathon, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was the most continuous marathon, and the only thing that stopped it was COVID. Like it, it ran through the war. It, it, it nothing stopped it until COVID came along. And right. like you know what what happened to you there with your shoes is is the sort of thing that like. You, you have nightmares about and then you wake up and you go, Oh man, thank God that was only a dream. Like, and it actually happened. Like, wow. That's why I was like, I've got this section in my book that I'm writing. It's called two of everything. Cause I'm a diabetic. I've always got like two of everything in case something breaks or, you, you know, something untoward happens, but I'll take two pairs of running shoes, like race shoes in the car to an event or, like when we fly to Sydney, I'll have two pairs. So I'll have my, my Adidas, which is my main race shoe at the moment, and I'll probably take the Alpha Flies as well, just in case. You know, you don't know. You might just be in the morning, you know, the, the sole might just come off it or something. Anything stupid could happen. You know, something breaks. You know, you go, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Um, so I always just have a spare spare pair of shoes. but um, And two pairs of shorts. I'll have a spare pair of shorts in my bag and, and that as well, just in case. I'm, I'm the same. I don't take two pairs of shoes, but I'll, I'll have multiple pairs of shorts. I'll have multiple singlets. I'll have multiple socks. I, I'll take a massage gun. Like for Sunny Coast, I took a pair of Normatec legs with me. I, you know, I'll, I'll take everything that I possibly can if, I, if I've got the room to, 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 to pack it. Obviously, when you jump on a plane, your options probably start shrinking a little yeah. bit, but you know, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Yeah. The, the problem is, is when you would have got those 4%, like, they were almost impossible to get. Like, so you, you, yeah, you'd be lucky to have two pairs of them. Yeah. Well, no, at the time, you're exactly right. They were impossible to get. And uh, I remember Pete actually saying to me afterwards, he, he was sort of umming and ahhing about what he was going to do with the shoes as well. He, he talked about, well, do I throw them away or do I put them on my feet? I don't even know what size shoe is Pete, but <laughs> kudos to him if you had to put them on and try them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you got a pair of those, um, those compression Normatec. They are brilliant. Oh man, I'd love it. I, I actually, uh, I, I thought about them for a while and I thought, you know what? The smart thing is wait till Black Friday. So I, I, I bought them in the Black Friday sales last year. I saved about three or $400 on them. And, uh, I use them all the time, like especially in the last couple of weeks, because I have been dropping some high volume Ks just as I said, I'm running with no purpose, but, uh, and I think that's why I can do that is because just recovery is so important. Like that's one of the things Wayne talked about last week as well, but I, especially, you know, I'm, I'm 52. Uh, I've got to look after my body. If, if I don't, if I don't keep it functional, I can't play the game I love. So yeah, but normally they, they are brilliant. Most nights I sit on the couch, I'll, I'll either have a beer with them while I'm, while I'm, sitting in them watching tv something on netflix or, or a glass of wine and uh yeah have you ever tried them nath no i haven't how do they work they're like um look at you say having a blood pressure machine around your whole leg and it comes up and then releases does it 
and then Coach Ty releases like on a pulse. That, that, that's exactly how it works. It's just uh, it, it just pumps it full of air. Sometimes it, it squeezes it very tightly, thinking that's enough. That's enough. And yeah, it, it, and you can set it, you know, from fifteen minutes up to an hour. You know, most nights, as I said, if I'm sitting on the couch, I'll just whack them on for an hour. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's quite convenient when you're just sitting on the couch. Sunday afternoon, like today, I I, I ran from home up to Sandgate this morning. Uh, I had breakfast up at Sandgate. When when as soon as I got home, I walked through the front door, had a shower, jumped on the couch for an hour, watched a bit of uh, Netflix, threw them on the legs. You know, I've, I've done it in the past. You know, it's a good way to sneak in your afternoon nap as well. So they probably set, it probably massages a bit as well. I would expect. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I've, I know that I've heard you guys talk about the the recovery center that you've got up your way. Is it Caboolture yeah. or Narangba or whatever? Yeah, but well, there's I think there's actually a new one now at uh, Brenda. There's, but... there's one at Aspley. Yeah, That's the one that I've been going to is at Caboolture. Yeah. What do you call what the, what's the actual name for those those leg sleeve things? Well, the, my brand's called Normatex, so I just call them the Normatex sleeves. I don't know what the actual name is for them. No. I think that's what they're called. Just that. The, well, I think that Normatech is the like they're the original first ones, and then there's loads of like knockoffs, but I doubt they're as good. Yeah. Where'd so you get them on Amazon or something? Uh, sorry, say that again. You get them on Amazon? No, no, I bought them from uh, straight from their website. No, right. I said I just went waited for the Black Friday sales and. I, th- I think it's is it hyper ice or something like that i think that's what their website's called and i just i, I had liked them on facebook and the ads came up for it and i just I, I looked at the link for it and i thought okay i'll just watch and i'll sit wait for the sales and when the sales came along you know you, you've got to be smart, smart with your money I'd, I'd, I'd rather spend my money on running shoes so wherever i can save money for them i, I will and let's as i said i, I saved three 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 or four hundred dollars that's another pair of vapor flights basically yeah, I just see they do a few like for about four hundred bucks. They do a um, like a knockoff pair. Yeah, uh, thick king leg compression boots massager. Yeah, I say do it. Yes, definitely. We'll be taxed. I've got a recovery center not too far from my place as well. Which when when in fact when, when I did the uh, the two fifty six in Brisbane, I was going there two or three times a week. So I think that was another reason, like from the from the recovery aspect, I was running lots of hills. You know, I just got strong from doing that, and and the time that I was spending in the recovery center. And the only reason I stopped going to the recovery center, and decided to buy my own, was because I was doing the ice bars and all that sort of thing. But to drive to and from the recovery center was costing me another hour each time. And like, and if you're doing that three or four times a week, that adds up. So I thought. These things will pay for themselves over a period of time, yeah. and I've had it for months almost. So they have. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. I have to get. Oh, it's good to get some actual um, feedback on something like that. Um, you know, from the from someone who uses them regularly. Yeah, they they definitely help. So, what have you got um, coming up in the future, Matt? Any goals you're chasing, or uh, any times you want to crack? Well, as I said, oh, oh. I'm in my early 50s. I've been doing this for, for some period of time. The, the hunger's still there. So I, I want to keep trying to go under three as much as I possibly can. And and I'm literally, I, I know that I'm always going to be sort of high twos or low threes. Like I, 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 I ran Brisbane, Gold Coast and, and Sunny Coast. 
I ran Brisbane in 306. I ran Gold Coast in 314. I, I probably shouldn't have started because I was crook as a dog and, and, and uh, it backfired immensely on me, but that's okay. I, I took the chance and, and failed. And I ran Sunny Coast in 303. So I know that I'm still floating around that three mark. So while I can, I'm just going to keep pushing. And I know at some point I'm going to have to start readjusting that sort of goal. But the thing I would actually like to do but it's, and I think it's probably the harder thing for me to do is I actually want to run 5K in under 18 minutes. And like I've, I've been down to the low, I think I got down to 18, 11, 18, 12, which was around the same time I ran the 256. So again, I think the hills probably played a part in that. But I, I you know, sometime in the next year or two, I, I'd, I'd like to think I can sneak into the, and I, if it said 17.59, I'll, I'll grab it with both hands. But that's probably one goal that I would like to do. I think that's something that's missing from my, and I don't like to call it resume, but that's probably something that is missing because I'm crap at running 5Ks, to be honest. It's, it's hard work. It's like I always tell people, take a deep breath and see you at the finish line because that's what it's like sometimes, as you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just a horrible yeah. distance, eh? And it's a horrible distance. But I think 10K is probably even worse because you're literally trying to hold the same pace for double the distance. Yeah. yeah. Matt, can I ask you, um, you've done a lot of marathons now. Um, and when you, because you know it's a set set time, a set distance, like when you do an ultra marathon or you do like, you know, different races, they're always different hills, slightly different distances. You might do a 50K, you might do a 52K ultra, and the hill elevation is always different. So you can go, well, okay, that day I did six hours, and then this one I did 620, but you can't compare the two. But when you're doing a marathon, say you do Gold Coast, you've done a number of times, and you don't always get a faster time every time you do it. Do you just go, oh, I'm just glad that I finished the race? Or do you have a bit of disappointment? Or do you find some excuse? You go, oh, I was a bit sick, or my training had been, dis had been uh, you know, like um, um, upset by something. Or do you just go, you know, it's just nice to get another one in the bag? I'm probably in, in, in the latter category because I, I I used to get upset about them. I, I, before I broke three, and it took me a couple of years to break three, but before I broke three, I went three hours and 12 seconds one year on the Gold Coast. Oh. And, and I had people say to me, why didn't you sprint the last 100 metres? So I'm thinking that's <laughs> not going to make any difference. It makes yeah, yeah. absolutely no difference. But And it, it got me notoriety because I'd go to places and people go, are you Matt Archer? And I'd go, yeah. And then they start, they say 12 seconds. I'm going, <laughs> and then I'd be reminded of it constantly. And it was, it was funny, but, but I wasn't bothered by it. Like, because it, it was like, it, it was what it was. The following year, I was, I was training a lot with Neil at the time and another friend of mine, Sean. And uh, our goal was to, to try and break three. And we tried it for a couple of years. And I think, Sean ended up being injured and I went 3.01 and I think Neil finished about, I think about, I was about 3.01.51 and Neil was about two or three seconds behind me. And fortunately, Neil's gone on to break threes quite significantly since as well. But uh, after that year, that was 2015, I, um, I just went, I don't care about the clock anymore. I just don't, like, why are we racing a clock? How stupid is that? Yeah. So it sort of took the pressure off a little bit. So when I broke three for the first time in 2016, I remember I got into the finish shoot on the Gold Coast. You know, I had such a long finish shoot. As soon as I turned into that meters. straight and literally got onto the blue carpet, 
all I did was stare at that clock all the way down and I went, I oh, got you, you bastard. You know, yes. like, you're mine today. And, and, and nowadays I've like, and, and I've probably been like this since about 2017, 2018, when I fail and it's terrible to call it a failure. Like you run a marathon, how do you call that a failure? But, but, but when, when I've crossed the line and I haven't reached my goal that day, I just, I basically go, I'm just not good enough. Like at the moment, my, my training's not right. I wasn't feeling it, you know, or, or was, I just wasn't good enough because like, you can't change the result. And so I think regardless of whatever the result is, try and enjoy the moment because I think sometimes we, we do stuff and then we move on to the next thing before we've actually actually taken the moment to celebrate the thing that we've just done because running a marathon's hard on our bodies, especially when, when you're trying to push the pace and, and it's all uh, comparative to, to whatever our abilities are. It hurts, so we take a lot out of ourselves. So we should enjoy that moment a little bit more. That twelve seconds. Did you analyze everything you did during that race? Think, did I slow down too much at water? Did I could I've done this? Could I've done that? No, actually, I, the thing I remember that day, I I had a massage about three or four days prior, and I remember doing park run the day before, and I felt great. On the day of the marathon, the, my quads just never felt right. It took me about 30 k's, I reckon, before my quads just started to feel not. They just felt heavy, and I felt like I couldn't get my legs to move or anything like that. But but uh, I remember going through when you get back to the start finish area, and you, you've gone crested that hill. You know when you come through there, and you just over that little hill before you start dropping back down towards Macca's yeah. there. I when I went through there, and I, I looked at my watch to see what the time was, and and I thought. I knew because the previous year I ran 3.05 and I went, I am so far up on where I was last year. And I said, I've got this today. I've got 10 Ks to go. And I went, I've got this today. And I've got this big rush of goosebumps that just went through my body. And I went, and, and I literally picked up my pace. And by the time I got to Macca's, I went, you know, pull your head in. It's, it, you've, you've got to be smart here. Otherwise you'll blow up. And, and, and I remember once I got to that, canal that you cross which is around the 35 kilometer mark it was uh it was literally just fight it tooth and nail from there all the way home and uh yeah, I, I, I wasn't disappointed by any stretch anyway by missing it by 12 seconds yeah, it would have been nice to have gone under because we worked hard for it but i think i think that's the thing when you work hard for something you should be happy for the result because you can't change it still a pb though wasn't it it was a pb at that time yeah Okay, good, good. And and look, and if you had said to me at the start of the day, Matt, you're you're going to run three hours and twelve seconds today, I would have said, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, no, good effort, good effort. It's a little bit different, but like when I was trying to break eighteen minutes at um park run, I reckon I went like eighteen ten, eighteen oh three, eighteen oh seven. I just. I went, I was so close for so many weeks and it, it took like a couple of weeks of just forgetting about time. And then I was like focusing, that's when I first joined the striders and I was focusing on just training really hard in the sessions. And then I think I didn't go to park run for a few weeks. And then I, I went and just, I got there one morning and I just thought, I'm like, I'm going for it today. And then I just, I went like 17.30, like I think I might have been 17.38 or something. Like I just went way under. And I, and I remember afterwards thinking, where did that come from? Like yeah. been it, battling all these weeks and it just happened. And 
it's almost like it happens when you're not trying, eh? You just took the pressure off. That's why. Yeah. Nuts, yeah. Eh? I, I think it's like, you know, we, we, earlier we we're talking about the marathon that was on today. I, I think sometimes it's a mindset too, because generally you can get through about 90, 95% of the distance without, without issue if you're feeling good. But it's that last five to 10% of, of a race distance where you start stressing about things and, and you saw it in, in different runners' body language today when their form started to go out the window or they started cramping or, or stuff like that. I think that's a combination of all those things. It's like, it's that, you know, they talk about that there's a certain percentage that's physical, but there's also that big chunk that's the mental aspect of it. And, and I think sometimes we convince ourselves to, oh, you know, like every time you would have been missing by six or seven or eight seconds, you would have been going... I can't do it. I can't do it. You, you sort of talk yourself out of it to a degree. Yeah. yeah. I think you have to prepare yourself for, um, you know, going at some point in this race, it's going to hurt. You can't think, oh, I'm just going to get through it. Like I'm going for a 20K or, like, you know, like, you know, 20K run would still hurt. But you can't, oh, I'm just going for a little jog around the block. And um, it, at some point it's really going to hurt. And then it's, you're going to get, you know, 42 kilometers is a long way. It even it doesn't matter what pace you go at, it's still going to really have you're going to get fatigue and something's going to start to hurt, and you've just got to learn to cope with those um, and not go, Oh my god, Jesus, my legs hurt, and I've got to stop, you know. So, yeah, definitely, I think there's that mental side of it. It's probably the is probably the hardest bit to practice and get right rather than just the running and getting fit um, for the marathon. I think that's why it's so good when you like if you have family members there at, at an event and if you can see them at the at the, the part of the event that sort of you've got something to look forward to just to help lift your spirits a little bit as well. You know, like like I've gone to plenty of marathons where I've just gone by myself and you know gone start to finish and 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 done. In fact, the day I I did my two fifty six, I was by myself that day. I went into town and and I caught up with my wife later in the day and then we went out with friends and. And, and had a, a few too many drinks that night to celebrate. But uh, but like when, when I did Boston, like they talk about uh, the, the final two streets, Hereford Street, and then and then right into Boylston. I actually saw my my family about just before I turned into Boylston Street to go down to the finish line. And so like I didn't expect to see that, but like when you get to see your family, it, it's it's so helpful to know my my wife and neil's wife and, and another friend of ours they were the motivators at the sunshine coast marathon so you you obviously would have seen the girls that were, were dressed up like yeah um, yep. berries and whatnot so, so my wife rowena was one of those um motivators so i knew that she was out on course and uh, i actually dropped my sunnies at one point at uh, you know that where the surf club is up near the caravan park yeah, I think yeah. I was the third lap, I dropped my sunnies and I went, oh shit. And I, I got a little bit further down the road to tell my wife because I thought she would have been close enough to go back and get them for me. And uh, so she just took her glasses up and handed them straight to me. I, I didn't expect that. That's not what I wanted, but she just interpreted that's what I wanted. But knowing that she was on the course, it, it sort of helps that, you know, it, it gives you something to look forward to because, you know, when, when you're, you know, get deeper into something, it hurts and you just need something that take that mind off that little bit of pain and and fortunately for me when i got back around because it was the multiple laps when i got back around on the last lap the glasses were sitting on the table so i picked them up so oh. people must have thought that thought i was carrying two pairs of sunglasses running a marathon awesome 
we should wrap it up there. That was really good. Thanks for uh, um, sharing some of your experiences there. It's always good to hear from an experienced marathoner um, like yourself. Yeah, and you've got, um, you know, super experienced, super passionate local runner. Really good to uh, get you on. But, mate, whilst we've got you on, we, we always ask everyone this, quickly go through your shoes. <laughs> I think what? I've got – I don't know how many pairs of Vaporflies that I currently have, but obviously my favourite shoe is the Vaporfly. You know? I, I do have the Alpha Fly, but I find them chunky to run in. So I don't, I've never raced a marathon in them. Uh, I did do, I, I did do my long run in them today. I find I, I just like running in them purely for the the cushioning aspect of them and trying not to beat up the legs. So, but I I just find them clunky when I run in them. I, whether it's my running style or whatever, I don't know. But definitely the vapor fly. But but I I do have a pair of the Metaspe- uh, the Metaspeed Skies. I have a pair of the Adidas Primes that you talk about. I, I do like running in those. And I've got a pair of the the Mizano. I can't think of what they're called. You know, they're, they're carbon plated shoes. It's been Is that the one recently. that sort of sits like that. Yeah, yeah. What, what are they? What do you reckon on them? Uh, I've only run probably about 20, 25K in them. So, and I haven't, like, I've had them for about four months and I haven't put them on my feet for about two months. So, and there's no reason why I haven't put them on. I just haven't. So, so I won't say that I dislike them, but I just don't have an opinion on them just yet. What's your daily trainer if you're going just going out doing your easy case? Uh, I've got a variety of shoes. The shoe that I'm probably running in the most, like I'll, I'll float between the pair of Pegasus and and possibly um, the Sacconi, uh Speed Threes. I don't. I think they, I think they're called the Speed Threes, but uh, but uh, they're just a soft sole. And I, I still have an ongoing groin problem, so I need something that's soft. It's just so I've got a softer landing, basically. Yeah. Mate, what what's your thoughts on the? Oh, I won't name names, but a couple of the guys that we spoke to off air have said they think that the vapor flies are getting like worse with each model. Like, do you agree with that, or do you just some people just love them? Like um, Wayne uh, Spees was saying that he just loves them. Like, it doesn't matter. Got what the threes version. though. The vapor. They reckon the vapor fly three is just. So much better than the two. I, I, I like the ones. Like obviously the Flynet version, which I ran Boston in, I loved. The ones, they I, I really enjoyed those. The twos I found a bit stiffer to run in. Yeah. But, but you know, the, the, the problem was that when you couldn't get the ones anymore, that you had no choice but to buy the twos. I, I do have a pair of the threes and I ran Gold Coast and uh, Sunny Coast in them. I think they're a lot softer under the midfoot, so I do enjoy running in them. I think they have improved on what the twos were, but overall, from when they first brought out the carbon-plated shoe in was it twenty eighteen? I think when they first came onto the market, I, I think they have probably not—they're not as good as what they used to be. But, but the threes are a definite market improvement, and I hope they keep going down that path of improving them because you think that's what they should be doing anyway. Yeah. Before we were, sorry, before we were recording, you were saying something about like, like it, what gas they use, Nate. Yeah. So the when they're making the foam to get it to expand, they uh, obviously there's a, a a chemical reaction that takes place for foam to be made, but they inject um, 
they've gone from using hydrogen to hydrogen with nitrogen or the other way around. So some of these shoes now, the foam, they're injecting hydrogen and nitrogen gas into it to give it that foam, to give it obviously more, you know, height or, or whatever. So it's just uh, they're playing around with these different um, different technologies to see what, um, what will work. So, yeah, it's uh, interesting to see uh, you know, then they might put something out there. You know, there might be some other gas they might put in it that may have that uh, doesn't blow the whole um, doesn't blow the whole warehouse up, but uh, you know, may even may have a, a better cushioning system. So, yeah. What about the ASICs, Matt? Do you reckon they're like on par? I, I in fact, I was talking to Neil about this only yesterday at Parkrun, but I I think. For me, ASICs, the ASICs Metaspeeds guy are probably only good for shorter stuff. Like I don't think you'd want to run more than a half marathon in them. I, I did my tempo session on Thursday afternoon in them and I, I just find them a little bit too stiff to run in. So uh, for that reason, I, I, I wouldn't want to do a full marathon. So they, they, they're good. And obviously, you know, that lots of people wear them and they love them. Yeah. But you know, my, my, my choice is obviously the Vaporfly interesting i was in a shop up the sunshine coast and i had one alpha like the brand new alpha fly on left my left foot and then i had the uh, meta speed sky on the right and they felt similar like i remember i was kind of i was having an iron about getting the asics but i i thought oh man i'll play it safe and get the yeah i suppose it's always played on my mind like whether i should have given them a a whirl but Maybe I'll keep an eye on the ASICs website. If they come on sale, I'll grab a pair. See, I, I keep umming and ahhing if I buy a pair of the Alpha Fly 2s. Like, I, I haven't put those on. I would have no idea what they feel like. But as I, I, said, I like them. I actually like I've got the Alpha Fly 1s and the Alpha Fly 2s. I actually, um, I did the my first ever road marathon in the Alpha Fly 1s. Um, and they were pretty, pretty good. But um, the Alpha Fly 2 are good, I think. I've done a half, I've done 24K in them. The first sort of week I got them, they felt pretty good, no problem. So um, I actually think they're a bit comfier than the ones, but I know, it's each to their own, isn't it? I don't like the Vaporflies, so um, they're just too too hard. I, and I get that. As, the, the twos probably scared people off too, I reckon, in that department. Yeah. But they reckon the Alpha Fly 3 is definitely worth waiting for. That's coming out very soon. Yeah. I think well, Berlin they're launching it, aren't they? Berlin Marathon. Well, they've already had people running in them, haven't they? Like, yeah, they have. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Kipchoge will be running in them, maybe, at, uh, at Berlin. Berlin. Mm. You'd have to bet money on that. So do you think he's he's going to have a crack at Berlin? Yeah, I think that's the idea, isn't it? I think there's probably some good prize money out there to get a world record, like a proper... Like a... Um, not a time the, trial world record as such, you know, like a proper race rec, uh, world record. Do you think he'll try and go sub two? Man, it'd be amazing if he did. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who they can put in there to stay there to help him through the first half. Yeah. Uh, and if there's anyone to help him in the, that second half, he won't have pacemakers coming in and out. But he's scheduled for London next year and then obviously the Olympics next year in Paris. So... That's two two marathons pretty close together for him. He doesn't usually do that many no. two marathons that close together. 
He'll do one maybe in the spring and one in the autumn, but he's been quite scarce this year. So you know, I, I, I wonder why Kelvin Kipton went to Chicago. And most people say it's because of the money. Yeah, who knows? How many years have you got to work out? How many years have I got left that I can run at this level and that I want to do the training for? Like, you know, it, it, are you getting to that sort of cash cow kind of part of your running career, you know? I, I just I, wish he stuck to his plan that he said stated at the start of last year that he wanted to win all the majors. So, like, I would have bet money at the start of the year that if he had won Boston, he was going to New York. Is that uh, Kipton? No, no, this is Kipchoge. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he didn't have a good uh, boss. Was it Boston? No. Well, he, he still ran 206 or 208 or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. It's, pretty, it's pretty bad when you start saying that he didn't have a good day. Not by his standards, I guess. Yeah, when he missed that water bottle, didn't it? And whether yeah. that was a psychological thing, I think, and the weather, he doesn't do well in the rain, in the no, bad. I, I don't know if you've ever watched that YouTube channel, Total Running Productions. Yeah. So they did a video on, on what went wrong that day, and apparently he did have a, a problem with his leg. And, and yeah. it, they, they talked about how he can self-correct when he's got issues going on. So he obviously did something well that he still maintained a fairly decent effort because the time that he ran at Boston, I don't know if you went through history and how many Boston marathons he probably would have won with that sort of time anyway. So his time probably still would have ranked quite high in, in their history. Yeah. You know, with um Kipton, there's been some kind of controversy with him missing uh, like doping tests or, or being, you know, in a different country or like, oh, I hate to be, like negative about it, but I just reckon he's going to pop for steroids. But if you miss, if you, if you, if you um, are not where you're meant to be, or if you miss one, that's almost, I think they, they'll, they'll pop you anyway, won't they? For a, um, a miss, a miss test is just the same as testing positive. Yeah. The, but band's, it, not as, the band's not as big. It's, no, it's, it's maybe it's, maybe it's not that, but it's, there's something that's happened where he's done something really suspicious and um, yeah, just, yeah. I was, I was like thinking, questioning was his performance anyway. And then you hear that yeah. shit and you just think, man, there's something going on there. I was talking to Matilda about some, I can't remember what it was. And they tested positive for marijuana, but they only got a one month ban. That was the, uh, the American girl that just won the hundred meters at the world champs. That's right. Richardson. Yeah, it was that was yeah. just before the the uh, Tokyo Olympics. She just uh, they gave her a month, didn't they? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For um, but whether that was masking something else. Well, her mother, I think her mother died literally in the days preceding that or something. So I think she was saying it was due to grief or whatever. I don't know, but but like I haven't heard that about Kipton, but but they I do know with uh, when they have to because they have to nominate where they are for testing and all that. They're, the they're, time, I think yeah. they're entitled to three strikes in a year. Then they get suspended. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That, so they can so like they could manipulate that, couldn't they? Quite easily if that was the case. Like you'd hate to think that he was in that category, but yeah, it, it does raise alarms when when they start missing tests. Yeah, something like um he went to a to an event i'm probably getting this wrong but he went to an event where there was not going to be testing or something yeah there was something like that happened but 
yeah, don't take that as um, gospel. <laughs> but, um, it was something, something fishy. I remember reading it online thinking, man, I, yeah, I just reckon he'll get busted. Where, where did he come from, like, to run like that? Just I don't know. Yeah, madness. Just, I was just a fan in her first marathon. Well, she run like a 216, her first ever marathon. So, yeah, but she's got a history of being a, a runner, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah, at least we've been watching her on the, you know, Diamond Leagues and all that. Like, he's just come out of nowhere. But but there was some question marks about her sound at some point because of the fact that she was trained by uh, Alberto. Yeah. Yeah, Alberto Salazar. So... But the thing is, though, Alberto Salazar, there's a good, there's that good, was it, is it on uh, Netflix, that one about him? Nike's big bet. None of his athletes have ever tested positive, yet they give him a lifetime ban. And my brother knows him quite well. I see he's a really nice guy, but um, I mean, that doesn't mean anything, obviously. But, um, you know, like if they've never tested positive, they're just, just out of the suspicion. They banned him. And I think that's. Um, nah, but he. he- he was caught doing loads of um, illegal stuff. Yeah, I've listened to yeah. a couple of like two-hour-long podcasts about it. There's there's so many things he was doing that that got him in banned. He was inject he was IV injecting um, L carnitine L carnitine into him, and oh, there's like like uh, you're allowed to do that though, as long as it's not more than two hundred uh, equivalent two hundred uh, milligrams um, a day. So he was right up to the you know, like they say, you can have five cups of coffee. If you do the sixth cup, you're over. Like you're only allowed a certain amount of caffeine in your system as well. Yeah. As a I think time. I think they were saying you could have two mil or something via IV, and he was yeah. doing like four yeah. liters or something. Like it was just <laughs> insane. Yeah, there's a really good podcast of, where they interview they interview two of his like former employees called the Clean Clean Sport Collective. I think it's called. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes to that because it's fascinating. But yeah, yeah, he he's um, he was definitely breaking the rules for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a great runner in his day as well, wasn't he? He certainly was. He he actually held the world record at one point for the marathon. Yeah, he was a good marathon runner, wasn't he? And they used to run his shoes then, which were, you know, like a Nike waffle. <laughs> it was like, yeah. But the, the unfortunate part for him was that. Not long after he won, I think he did it in New York when they were doing it on point-to-point courses. They found that the, the course was measured short, so they took the record off him, and that's how uh, De Costello ended up with the world record. Oh, wow. I never knew that. Yeah. The, uh, it's, 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 we're talking about Kipchoge and Kitham before. Did you see they were training on the same track in the last couple of weeks? Oh, no, no. There's, there's, I don't know if you've seen the podcast, uh, not the podcast, the uh, YouTube channel, um, Sweat Elite which is an Australian guy, Matt Fox, because Matt's doing um, Berlin as well. He's trying to break 220. Because Matt was training with, with Nick Bester. Oh, yeah. And there was some falling out between those two recently. And I don't know what the background of that is. But uh, but Matt was on the track and he saw Kelvin on the track and he, he walked up to him and said, you're Kelvin. And he went, yeah. And so they had a little chat. And... Uh, and then he showed footage of Kipchoge running around the same track on the same day. Oh, man. That'd, imagine seeing that in real life. Be <laughs> incredible, crazy. eh? Yeah, absolutely. You'd just drop everything when you and just stay there all day. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it would be fascinating to watch. You know, and, and, and 
the fact the fact that you know we're all sort of invested in in what's happening in the running world it's it's just you know fantasies that come true basically yeah, there's a guy i'm um, on youtube the welsh runner um yeah. Matt Rees, he went to kenya for a, like a training camp and got to do i think two 400 reps on the back of the the train with kipchoge kipchoge was at the front and he was running at the back like pretty awesome eh? imagine getting to do that yeah, I'd be sped out really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're like, yeah, they're like, yeah, I think he was running under 70 seconds per rep and he was just getting left for dead. And 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 like Matt's ran, he ran 224 in Valencia or something last year, didn't he? So it's not like he's not a quality runner. Uh, yeah, and he, I think he's run under 15 minutes for 5K a couple of times. Like, yeah. man, that's that's quick. And then, you know, sub three-minute K is like, Hard to get your head around, eh? Imagine how many people there are in the world currently that could run under, say, 220. And then if you broke it down to, like, 210, like, it's a stacked, absolutely stacked. I remember we used to watch the London Marathon with kids and we go, oh, I think they're going to break the world record, like, 209 or something, you know? And it slowly has come down and come down. It's been... but And that was before Super Shoes, you know? It started getting quite fast even before Super Shoes, didn't it? Yeah, interesting when you when you talk about that sort of stuff. I've been around obviously for a while, and 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 you see the landscape change over a period of time. And, and uh, I, I think back to you know going back ten years ago and the amount of people that were struggling to run t- under twenty minutes for for park run, for instance. And now, how many how many people can run in the sixteens and seventeens for park run just here in Brisbane alone? Like yeah. it's a phenomenal number when when you think about speed week at, at Sandgate. How many people went under 20 minutes that day? It was 200 and something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, about 200. Yeah, like like park run has changed the landscape of what people do because it's just like it's a it's it's a good way to get into the sport, even though technically it's not a race, but it's a good way to get into a sport. And how many people then take the next step and go on to run, whether it's track or half marathons and marathons, and and I know that you guys are probably the same because you've been around for a while. You, you see people who start out and, and, and like um, today, for instance, like when you help someone achieve their first sub 40 and, and, and watch people grow and develop and reach their potential and think, where's the limit? Like, where do they find their limit? Yeah. You know, awesome, they keep pushing. And, and that's, that's the thing I love about running the most is watching people do stuff that's out of the ordinary. So, before when we get back to, you know, we were talking about uh, if I've had a bad day and I've missed out on the time I want, but when you see your mates achieve something and you and you know the work that goes into achieving that, like that that far outweighs personal results sometimes because it, like you go, you got what you deserve, that's bloody awesome. Same same as if you fail. Sometimes you see people that talk it up and, and they fail and they go, well, you, you got what you deserve. So it works, yeah. works both ways. Yeah. But when you see someone invest time and effort and dedication and achieve something like that. That's, that's bloody awesome. Yeah. And that's why I was so over the moon for, um, wax who, who jumps on the podcast from time to time. Like he was trying to break 20 minutes and I kept saying to him, mate, go to a different park run. Cause it's always windy at Redcliffe, but it's, you know, just down the road from where he lives. And he was like, nah, man, if I'm, I'm going to do it at Redcliffe, I've got to do it at Redcliffe. And then, 
it was week after week after week and he was getting closer and closer and closer and then got it just on his own, no help. Cause I was sort of thinking, oh, we're going to have to go down there and pace him. But he just went out and did it all solo on a park run, run like 1950 or something. Like I was so, so stoked for him. That's awesome, isn't it? Bloody oath. Good stuff. Oh, well, I think it's about time for time for me to go to bed. Yeah. Like 8.35 last night, uh, Matt, I went to watch the, uh, a mate of mine and I, oh, I've been mates with him for years. He, uh, he fought Thai boxing down the, down the Gold Coast. Yep. But by the time we got home, it was midnight and, uh, we were doing the time trial this morning, but we were, I was meeting, uh, Paul Gourlay at 5am at Sandgate to run before. So I'm like, I literally got into bed forced myself to go to sleep and then it just felt like my alarm went off straight away at like 4 a.m i was like oh, oh just run down the other end made a coffee and just sculled the coffee i was like oh yeah but geez i've been knackered all day making me yawn i'm time for bed <laughs> yeah mate all right have a good week everyone yeah well- Thanks, thanks for having me on the podcast, guys. Oh, no, uh, man. Thanks for great, coming mate. on. It's been a great I'll, chat. I'll, I'll quickly finish with, like, I've been listening to the podcast for a while. Uh, somebody put me onto it. A guy I work with, Paul, he, he put me onto the podcast because he told me, in fact, he told me about Peter's thing. He said, oh, you can listen to this guy, Peter Lewis. I says, oh, I actually know Pete. And uh, and I've basically been listening to the podcast ever since then. And I've, and I've gone back and listened to some of the back, back episodes. And... Sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm listening and going, I almost feel like I know all you guys. Like, and like, I, 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 Steve, obviously, you and I have met on a number of occasions. Yeah, yeah. And Nathan, yeah, we have met once or twice. But like, when you hear something and you listen to it every week, it's like, I know, like, when you talk about Wax and you talk about Steve and, and, and whatnot, like, if I was to walk into them in the street, I wouldn't have a clue who they are, but I just feel like I know them because the fact that you guys are. are, are you're having the same conversations that I have with my mates. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's like, oh, I love this stuff. I absolutely love this stuff. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, awesome. we've known. See, yeah, I think it's because we know each other. Like Steve and I have known each other since we were like bloody hell kids. Um, and I think that just gives you that little bit more familiarity as well. But we just try and be like, that's where we want the podcast to be. Like we're chatting and, you know, hopefully people can pick up something from it and then we pick up from things from having guests like you on you know yep. we're constantly learning and evolving so yeah. it's always to, to share that share stories and hopefully our listeners you know um get to to take something out of it each week yeah that was one of the things i i, I rang neil today and because i was i was a bit nervous about being on the podcast as uh, and uh, as steve said to me most people are and uh i was trying to get some advice from him and and we talked about his uh, YouTube channel, um, Run with Woody, and and um, and we talked about like the fact how he's doing his what he's doing now. And I remember in his early days, he appeared nervous with what he was doing. And and you watch it now, and it just he has a formula and a structure, and and he, he seems very natural and very comfortable with it. And same for you guys, you, you can tell from when you first started to where yeah. you are now. It just like you guys sit there like you're having a general conversation and that's good because it just feels natural. So 
Yeah, it's yeah. cool, mate. Yeah. How good is um his his YouTube channel is getting massive now. Like, how many subscribers has he got? Uh, I think it's around three and a half to four thousand. So, it's he's 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 got a sort of a bit of a niche market in the sense, of like being an older runner, and but you know he's still a quality runner. Yeah. And and so like that provides hope and like an inspiration. So, and uh, you know, as you get older, you've obviously got to try things differently because you're going out and doing flat out speed sessions. Your body doesn't like playing that game anymore. So how do you do things differently? He went down the path of using math, but but still applying uh, speed in, injected in there and and still keeping up the quality. Like the proof was in the pudding when he still ran two fifty seven in, in Melbourne last year. At the age of fifty six or fifty seven, so it's impressive, eh? Great, impressive. great runner. Yeah, yeah, good I, runner. I was in his ear on the start line that day, so much saying, "Yeah, you're going to do this today. You're going to do this today." And, and because I just, I, I, was, I just felt so confident for him. And 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 so when when I made the finish line, he finished about five or six minutes ahead of me. And 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 like Melbourne's chaotic. If you do do Melbourne, the finish line at Melbourne is chaotic. The way that they merge the half and the marathon. And and uh, but but to get inside the MCG and to see his emotion, I mean that again. Like I said earlier, when you see someone put in the work and, and see them achieve the results, that's pretty special. So with the beers that afternoon. Oh, well, thanks again, Matt. All right, that's, thanks, uh, guys. It's been a joy. Thank you. Yeah, legend. Awesome. Yeah, we'll catch you all next week. See you then.
they climb higher and they should climb up our imagination contemplation hesitating on exploitation my mind we should find in time our minds they will shine with the wonder shine you can with the time on minds from these purple elephants a twisted intelligence extension on tolerance Dimension of flowers in my mind Stop, rewind Now what the fuck did you find? Ain't nothing in here but why Supplemental I can't breathe I can't breathe Close your eyes Leave all your troubles behind Yes, it's fine Mind, 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 mind.